Welcome to Unpacking the Digital Shelf, where we explore brand manufacturing in the digital age. Hey everyone, Peter Crosby here from the Digital Shelf Institute. Scroll, see, click. In a time when consumer search and conversion is driven by their thumbs, Images have become ever more critical to driving performance on the digital shelf. That requires moving image creation and selection from a subjective guess to a data-driven, scalable process. Jahan Hamedi, founder and CEO of image analytics provider Visit, returns to the podcast with Lauren Levack and me to share detailed case studies on how brands are using AI to drive substantial performance improvements at scale on their PDPs through analytics. Jahan, so grateful to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for returning. Thanks for having me back, Peter. Have a lot of fun every time that uh, we all get together <laughs> to talk about future digital shelf and and you guys put on just some amazing, uh, amazing content. So excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, we've been talking a lot on the podcast. I mean, the whole world's talking about, you know, money's no longer free and we're living in this era of profitability and needing to turn the investments that you know, that brands and, and retailers have been making over the past several years into profitable businesses. <laughs> and so <laughs> Crazy thing, huh? <laughs> I know, imagine. Uh, so now that that's true, you know, brands really, you know, the opportunities are to drive improving performance wherever you can and, and upping search results, upping conversion on those product pages. And really your company drives so much data around you know, really some of the most important content on the page, which is images and videos and, and what works and and the types of images they should be using and things. You have such great data. And, and then in this world of efficiency, do we have to do this for every retailer? Is it different in each context? Like there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. And, and I think you're kind of here to do that. So ready, go. <laughs> tell, tell us what you're seeing around, you know, image effectiveness and what's working out there. It's a, sure. It's yeah. A target. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, I think the first place to start, the first, the most important thing is that consumers have changed. Their viewing preferences and their viewing habits have evolved. Um, we recently did some research with the Path to Purchase Institute um, that revealed that consumers spend at least five hours a day looking at images and videos on social media platforms. Wow. And when you think about that, that is an extraordinary amount of time. And what it has created is a new see, scroll, click universe that we all live in and need to compete in. And what that has also created is a new dynamic where consumers on e-commerce sites are now conditioned to not necessarily pick images or excuse me, pick products um, based on, on where they sit within search results, but based on the appeal of the hero images that they are scrolling through at an incredibly rapid rate. So the role of the image as sort of the first moment of truth and the gateway to consideration has never been more powerful. Um, and when you consider that, you know, we, we, you'd mentioned, you know, metrics and data and measurement, the brands that we have an opportunity to work with and, and, and the brands that, that work with Salsify and other, other great companies are, are really swimming in data. They have lots of data about a lot of different elements of their PDP. 
but there is one last lever on that PDP that people don't have real-time data and insight into, and that is images. And that creates a really interesting opportunity because if you think about it, people view the images of a product every time before they purchase it. And it's if you can actually harness the power of your images and use data to understand and, and sort of optimize the images that you select, it creates not only a competitive advantage for you, but you know, as a business leader and as an e-commerce leader, you have to think about the levers that can create the opportunity for outsized returns. Like you said, everybody's trying to create profitable and more profitable uh, kind of e-commerce businesses today. So if there's one lever that has the opportunity to create outsized returns for early movers, it's the one that is currently the largest and most untapped, which is the visual content. And so, you know, in our world um, at Visit, you know, imagery and image effectiveness is an, is an extremely complex problem uh, because different products have different packaging. They have different sort of ways of presenting the benefits across category and different audiences have very different perspectives. And of course, you could photograph, you know, uh, an image of uh, of these Apple headphones that we were just talking about, probably a trillion different ways, infinite different ways. And so in order to actually unlock the power of your imagery, uh, we've realized at Visit that you need an AI-based approach to understanding consumer um, uh, consumer opinion and, and consumers' visual preferences. And we codify that and we deliver those metrics in what we call Visit scores. Um, so the higher your Visit score, the more likely your visual content on your PDP is to engage and, or excuse me, to attract and, and convert your target audience. And the key thing, that we have found now in working with some of the biggest brands in the world like Mars um, is that if you have visit scores that are 15% better than your competitors, you can unlock up to 30% more conversion. That is how people buy now. It's based on what attracts you viscerally. Scroll, see, click is this new world that we live in. And if you don't like what you see, you click back. <laughs> and then go explore another <laughs> PDP. So, you know, it, it's it's a whole new battleground, you know, which means you need different playbooks, you need different technology, and, um, you know, the best data wins. Johan, so, I'm curious, from a, from a uh, feature perspective on the images, are there anything that, things that stand out, like if they call out the size, or I know that the, like, mobile images were really popular, and then they kind of went away, and now they're coming back. So, I'm curious, are there any things that really kind of stick out, which kind of grab people's attention and make them click? Have you found anything? Well, uh, to put that into perspective, uh, so visit in our database today, we have over a trillion visual triggers that motivate people to behave. So there isn't really any one thing. Wow. Did you say uh, a trillion? <laughs> a trillion. Yeah. So, so when you think, but, but <laughs> roll with me here. Okay. And when, when, when you as a human look at something, you're taking into account the full composition all at once. You're looking at pixel by pixel relationships of the composition, the colors, the subject matter, and you are creating almost an instantaneous reaction to what you see of like, I like this or not. So just having like pink or just having, you know, something turned to the right that doesn't work for every, like there is no rule-based way of doing this. 
what it comes down to is the product, the category, and the target audience, and figuring out the best combinations of attributes that drive the most success with that particular target. So I'll give you an example. Uh, we, uh, we're very fortunate to work with, um, uh, with Moen. And if you're not familiar with Moen, they're one of the largest brands and, and kind of manufacturers of faucets and, and fixtures. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a Moen consumer myself. Mm-hmm. And um, when they uh, came to visit, you know, one of the key things that they were looking to understand was how they could build a playbook for the images of faucets. You know, when you think about faucets, it's very different than what you might think of in Pepsi's digital shelf or in Mars's digital shelf or, or, um, uh, or Red Bull's digital shelf or really anybody else. It's kind of a different experience. And so one of the things that they wanted to do was identify for their particular products with their particular target audience, what are some of the ways in which they can kind of create a, a playbook for success? So things like for their listings, where to place and how to style their text, uh, which kitchen settings and sort of backgrounds were most appealing and, and kind of engaging uh, to their target audience. And then one of the really cool things was how exactly can you position different faucet products in a hero image to maximize sales effectiveness? Um, those are all decisions that up until now have largely been uh, driven by kind of gut feel. Um, but if you add data to them, you can see some pretty tremendous results. And, and for Moen in particular, they saw a 20% gain in conversions after rolling out the optimized content, uh, changing nothing else. So when, when you kind of think about um, the, the opportunity to um, look at images differently as not just a kind of um, you know, a, a photograph of a product, but as a sales tool, as a sales force, um, you can't, me- you can't manage a sales force without metrics. So, so, so <laughs> it's in- really important to, to get <laughs> yeah. that right. So in an image really becomes the sum is greater than its parts. Like you can't really just take it down to just the text or just the position. It's the whole thing together for Absolutely. that specific audience. So when you talk about something like positioning different faucet products, is it like, is it work better when it faces left or faces right? Like, is it a whole, is that what you mean by positioning? Like, yeah, I mean, like the angulation, I mean, like literally the positioning within, is it on the left, is it on the right? What's the angle? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what's the angle of the, the camera? Like, is it looking up? Is it looking down? You know, you can kind of, all of these different sort of, um, considerations that go into merchandising a product um, digitally uh, are are actually quite complex. And what we've learned that, again, image is such a complex space. Um, Rules-based approaches aren't going to work. You you really need to look at images at at kind of the the atomic level um, to understand, again, what elements of your image are working, what elements are kind of detracting, from performance and is the overall composition is the overall presentation, something that's effective. And if and you, you can running, apply that, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just wondering if, are you running like AB tests at scale, like against all these different options? And then, and then that out of that build starts to build a playbook of, of what converts best at this particular moment in time, I'm sure. Well, so, so what's really unique about visit is, um, 
we have a completely AI-based approach. So um, the, the kind of fundamental premise of our technology is beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? So if you want to know how effective something's going to be, you need a way to see through your audience's eyes, literally in real time. And so you could do that in a few different ways. You could survey, you know, 10, 20 people, doesn't scale, too expensive. <laughs> you could do some A-B tests and like real like kind of campaigns. Each of those relatively small sample size. It's hard to control for everything else. It's expensive. You're wasting money. So at Visit, we thought, well, what about door number three? What if it was possible to actually simulate the audience? So that's what we've invented is audience lens technology. We are literally generating artificial audiences. That's what's unique about Visit. So what that gives our users the ability to do, and that user could be a designer, content producer, e-commerce content manager, somebody working in syndication platforms, brand managers, anybody who cares about the view of the customer now has the ability to apply different lenses to the content they're looking at. So for example, I wear glasses. I could put on Walmart shoppers. I could put on millennial women in... California, I could put on people who make 100K and drink craft beer, um, whatever. Different people have different preferences. And so what we've found is that it is sometimes these preferences are like inexplicable. You know, you might just like something because you like it. You can't really explain why. And if you ask the same people, why do all of you like this? They might give you 10 different answers. <laughs> so you, you need a way to use, it's one of the best and most exciting applications of AI today um, in computer vision because understanding what image, it, like what image power actually is and means uh, requires an extremely sophisticated um, technological approach. Wow, that's really cool. And that's really exciting because if I'm hearing you correctly, that also means that a brand before they launch their product can test out what their images are or how their images are going to perform. So they're saving time rather than like launching and testing and then changing. They can do that before they even launch. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's the main use case is, is exactly knowing what's going to work before you put it into market. And that's that's for PDP content. So like, pre-item setup, is this going to be an effective sort of presentation of our product in packaging design? Is this going to be something that's really going to motivate and resonate with Walmart shoppers to product appearance itself if you're outside of CPG? So for example, in, in the automotive industry, Visit is informing color waves of new products. Because imagine how expensive it is to manufacture a motorcycle in a particular color and then say, oops, I actually want to use different shades. It'd be an extraordinary inefficiency. So starting from a better place helps to advantage basically the entire content creation process and the product development process. Both of those journeys have a critical dependency on image effectiveness. So if we go back to putting on the different lenses for different retailers, let's talk <laughs> about retailer-specific content. It's a really, I think, highly debated question and one that I think has a clear answer now that e-commerce has evolved. What are you seeing around retailer specific content? What's the data showing you? Sure. So marketplaces, retailer, retailer marketplaces and retailers, they all exhibit similarities, right? Like they allow you as a brand to list your products. They allow consumers to search for those products, consume reviews, um, you know, to 
you know, order. They have all similar functionality. Most of them are, are kind of on parity or they're pretty close. What's different are the, the shoppers, the audiences. Different retailers have different audiences. A Walmart shopper is different than an Amazon shopper, period. You know, a shopper at Claire's is different than an Amazon shopper, period. So when you think about it, you know, and, and you're kind of creating and thinking about your, um, uh, your content for retailers, you know, although a marketplace has a similar function to your business, the visual topography of that site is going to be different. Their assortment could be different. Your competitors could have different content. And then the people who are consuming that content, your intended consumers are coming to those sites with different preferences. So, you know, we, we, were, we were joking about this a few weeks ago, Lauren, one size fits no one. And that's very true. We've seen across our customers that our lenses for different retail shoppers produce different visit scores all the time. And I can tell you right now that one of the largest food companies in the world is creating different content for different retailers. One of, if not the largest beauty company in the world is creating different content for different retailers. And um, we actually had a, a really interesting um, uh, case study uh, that we were speaking about recently on a webinar with uh, Stacy Tomzik at um, at Perigo. So Perigo is is a fascinating company. The way that uh, Stacy had had joked about on the webinar, she she said we're we're the biggest company that you you might not have ever heard of, and they have a enormous private label business uh, around um, kind of. Uh, uh, pain medications, um, you know, over-the-counter kind of digestive relief, oral care, whitening strips, you know, all these different products that they'll, they'll white label for retailers. Um, and one of the things that uh, Stacy identified was that the Walmart consumer is fundamentally unique. And so the way in which her team can help create the most effective um, sort of uh, content for Walmart shoppers for their private label, mind you, um, is to insert that lens in the creation process. So when you kind of think about that, and, and if, if you're a manufacturer, it creates an incredible opportunity for you to get ahead of what's coming because it's already here. And if you flip the table, you can now go to your retail partners with some thought leadership and show them in your line reviews or in your anything you're doing, here's why I think this is going to work with your consumers, why I think it's going to help grow the category. It's differentiated in the space. And by the way, I did the research and have the data. Yeah, we like, talk about you, being you, your retailer's <laughs> best partner. I mean, that's a that's a perfect example of really providing value and helping to shape what the retailer is doing rather than react. So I think that's that's a fantastic example of, of how that could work. That's right. And I, I mean, you know, you also have to think about it that, you know, many of many of the brands that we have the opportunity to work with and many of the brands that are, are really doubling down on content have a global purview. And when you think about that, if you sell on a retailer that has a marketplace in different countries, those demographics in those countries and markets are different. And Mars Pet, for example, has figured out that the Mexican consumers of their kind of whiskers products and IMs, all of those have different content preferences than the UK, different preferences than Japan and other countries for similar retailers, or if not the same. So it really comes like everybody that's creating content needs to ask themselves this question. 
who is my audience and what will they respond to? And none of us are our core consumer. So you literally need a way to see through their eyes um, to unlock that. And, and again, I, I think just, you know, from, from a retail perspective, there are so many uh, great opportunities to move towards more um, personalized content for the retailer. You're going to see it in your results that it works. Um, but I, I think that to your point, Lauren, the relationship building you'll do with the retailer by coming with, with thought leadership, with data that, that you really are kind of designing for their consumer, for their shopper to help them be most successful. I mean, that's just going to put you in another echelon compared to every other manufacturer that's trying to sell them something. So Jahan, I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, gosh, so it, we want to do so much more, like do it for each retailer, do it for each product at each retailer. And all, the scale starts to become uh, scary. And also, how can this be done efficiently at a reasonable cost um, with as few human resources as, as possible? And and also, you know, so many of our listeners are not the Mars of the world. And, and so can... Can somebody, when you see these kinds of performance improvements, does that help make a business case for investing more in this process? Like, are you seeing customers who aren't the, you know, sort of global leaders of the world being able to take advantage of this and and do more of this um, optimization at scale? Absolutely. I mean, look, I'd spend my first and last dollar on visual content is, is sort of what I'm seeing right now. And when you think about consumer goods organizations, um, they have, and we all have access to a lot more visual content than we might realize. And I'll give you an example. Um, if you think about, you know, your DAM system, your digital asset management system, which is kind of serving as a historical archive of every digital asset your, your kind of company has created for campaigns and, and what have you. That's a potential gold mine for content that you literally already have. But for some reason, some of those kind of ideal assets are just, they're hidden. They're hidden away. And so when you can connect visit into those sources, it becomes very easy to identify content that has high conversion power so that you can get it to the PDP where it can really do you some good. So that opportunity for reuse, especially in today's environment, is extraordinary. Um, we've also seen across the web from, you know, kind of social channels, influencer content, UGC based content. There is a, an incredible amount of real authentic, high quality imagery that's showcasing, um, you know, product use, lifestyle images, um, that you can tap into without having to fly your team to the, uh, you know, to the, um, to a whole nother country to kind of do a photo shoot. Like it's just, there are much more cost-effective ways to produce content. We're seeing AI and generative content really uh, pick up steam. But my caution to people with that is that that is a very efficient way to get content and get inspiration. But the key question you got to be asking yourself is, is that content going to be effective? You need data, you need metrics to predict, visit scores. So we've seen actually that... Um, you know, you don't need to be a multi-billion dollar global conglomerate that sells in 200 countries 
to produce and find great content. Many of us have it, and many of us have have kind of the ability to um, to access it. And um, there's a, a large OTC brand that we work with at Visit that's that's really kind of pioneered a lot of this work. They have the access they have access to and, and leverage a lot of um, kind of influencer content creation services um, that are you know kind of relatively speaking uh, compared compared against a um, you know your traditional like. $50,000, multi hundred thousand dollar, like photo shoot, they can get huge amount, like thousands uh, of potential assets um, for just fractions of the cost that again, are produced by real people that have a specific purpose in mind. Um, the key thing for them is, okay, now which of these are, are actually going to resonate most with the specific people that we want to attract and convert. So I would, um, I would not let um, sort of the, I would not think about content as an expense. I would think about it as an investment. And I think that's a really sort of powerful recalibration that CPGs and, and retailers alike need to have because Do you find that, uh, that CFOs are able to be convinced that it's an investment. Like, like, have you seen that conversation change? Yeah, people can get more funding for this because yeah. of the of the performance you're able to show. Without a doubt, I mean, when you when you can show your market share is going up a couple points or your conversions going up, you know, a couple dozen, it's pretty easy to make that case of like, look, we need to invest in in content. And actually, I I believe, and this is this is true across um, all of Visit's customer base. The customers that are really thinking about content as becoming a core competency of their business are the ones that are going to win over the next couple of years, hands down, because content is such a critical driver of commerce success. It's a critical driver of brand success. And if, if you aren't sort of really putting content and your content effectiveness as a central tenant of your strategy... You're just you're going to have a really hard time because there's companies that are, and there's upstarts that all they have is their content. They don't, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just become so so important. And I think, like you said, having sort of the the, the business metrics do help help convince the CFOs um, and uh, and and you know the you know the the folks that are setting budgets. But it, it's becoming more of a you know not not necessarily an, an an aspirational kind of investment and more of a, this is just what we got to do to compete. Yeah. And I want to revisit something that you said about reusing content only because I'm super passionate about this. And I want to <laughs> also emphasize that you make content for in-store too, brands. You make content for end caps. You make content for circular ads that people still get in the mail. Like there is so much content that you can use digitally. So I'm just going to reemphasize that point because I have the same conversation with brands where they're not using the images they're using on Instagram on their PDPs. And there's just such an opportunity to engage with cross-functional teams who are creating content for your products. So like a really easy task, go find it all. There's so much opportunity within your organization. So John, with, I'm so glad you said that. No, without it, I would bet money that 
if you give me access to, you know, a, a brand's Instagram that has is, is active and and it's it's dynamic, I bet I can find some images there that'll sell more of their kind of hero SKUs on on Amazon or any other retailer like tomorrow. Like it's there without a doubt. And that, that that actually brings me to another interesting point, which is many CPGs have kind of traditionally thought about digital product imagery is something that only impacts an online shopper's experience. Digital product imagery is your most effective kind of sales device, period. 60 odd percent of consumers are impacted by from what they see online to brick and mortar sales. I think Forrester put out that stat recently and it's it's climbing. But the really cool thing is that Walmart actually said in their most recent earnings call that half of Walmart shoppers actually use the Walmart app when they're in store looking at stuff. Love so if that. you don't, if you don't yeah. think that digital product images are going to create a flywheel for both online and brick and mortar, you are sorely mistaken. It is so powerful. People buy based on what they see. They remember things in images. They share images. We speak in images today. Um, and that sort of scroll, see, click continuum pervades the online and offline worlds. I'm really disappointed you aren't more enthusiastic about this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun. You know, I, I, know, I, I can I, tell. I, I, I can't. I can't tell you, Peter. It's just so much fun. You know, I, I was thankful to be a part of sort of the social media technology kind of movement, you know, 10 years ago when people realized like, okay, you know, I can not, not only am I talking to friends on Facebook, but I could create a whole commercial presence on Facebook. And now there's all this new technology that can help me understand my, my, um, my followers better and my customers better. And it just spurred an entire economy. That was cool. This is like 10 times bigger easily. And it's more, much, much more exciting because you can create real authentic experiences with consumers that that create lasting relationships, but importantly, are, are driving business outcomes like today, every day. Um, so it, it's just a, all channels, all yeah. channels. Yeah. Without Do a doubt. creative directors uh, hate you or love you. <laughs> well, I think th they like us because the the thing about creative directors and, and anybody in the creative uh, profession is, and by the way, this is one of the things that, that we have learned in, in going to market is that designers, creatives, they've never had access to any type of data and yeah. insight. And that's a colossal mistake, I think, because your designers, good designers are expensive and they should be. Because they're creating the face of your whole product. They're creating the face of your campaigns. And so what Visit is, is allowing them to do is, is integrate data and kind of insights into their creative process so that I can help them identify and unlock kind of new creative directions, help inspire their own art. But then they can go to the table and say, look, guys, product manager, I know you want to show that, you know, the the size and dimensions and all that of this product. I know you think that's an important selling point, but that isn't how we're going to merchandise this online because it's going to be ineffective at converting. Giving that power to the designers like totally changes the, the dynamic. And I think that's where Visit is really unique because some generative AI companies, like they are getting a bad rep with, uh, with creative personnel uh, and creative teams because 
they are generating content. You know, we're just generating insights. And those insights kind of, again, add a objective layer yeah. um, to what they're, what they're working on from their audience's perspective. That's all, you know, and, and imagine, you know, if, if you're creating a new, um, a new uh, lipstick or new mascara, a new kind of seasonal campaign to highlight that, you know, what, what would millennial women, how would they react to this in Paris versus in New York? Like imagine having that while you're designing. It's incredible. It's not saying anybody's baby is ugly or that there's, you know, a wrong way of doing something. It's, it's insight. And, um, you know, it's, it's been a really kind of fun, um, learning experience being able to, cause at, at visit sometimes, like we have a large diverse set of users. Not everybody's a creative, not everybody's an e-commerce manager or like a business or analytical, uh, somebody who sits in analytics. It's, it's kind of this mix. So you have to design a, a platform that um, can help sort of elevate and inform all aspects of the work. To the point about creative directors and just creative design teams, have you seen a shift in like in-housing creative versus working with an agency versus like maybe having a designer for each brand? I'd love to hear from you what you're seeing because that model has really changed in the past few years. Yeah, so we've seen both models at Visit employed effectively, and they each have their pros and cons. So, you know, I, I think if you're traditionally relying on, on, on agencies, you know, that, that kind of, again, there's a cost consideration there because you don't have to necessarily build that entire center of excellence kind of inside your own company. Um, but what you're going to potentially lose is some of the agility. Um, what you're going to potentially then need to be okay with is that, you know, if content is becoming a core competency of your business, you are still relying on an external agency to do a lot of that work for you. Um, so there's, there's kind of that trade-off. But what can an agency provide you with? An agency can provide incredible perspective because they're looking at a lot of different companies, cross categories, even within your category. Some of the most innovative agencies that we work with will actually use Visit to benchmark one of their clients' current images against their competitive set and use that as inspiration. So they can then go and look whole, more holistically and say, look, here's some of the trends that we're seeing in the drills category as a whole. You know, Here's one of the ways that we think you guys could position yourselves to be both distinct and effective within this particular category. And so, you know, agencies have more muscle memory doing that. Um, but what I will tell you is that there is a rising trend to bring more of this in-house. And we are absolutely seeing that through our customer base. Um, but regardless of the approach you take, both can work. Both We've seen work very effectively. The winners are the ones that integrate data into that process. And that's data into your kind of internal team's process. Uh, but also arming your agency with the data that you have so that they can be most successful and most effective for you. And, and frankly, the, the, the great agencies that we work with want it. They want it because they want to be able to, just like you going to your retail partner, showing thought leadership, you've done the work, you've done the research. These agencies want to do the same thing. They want to be your, your creative partner. They want to be more of a um, kind of strategic uh, support mechanism for you. And so if, if you don't give them the data about what the market's responding to visually, 
or what um, to help them predict and uncover what the market um, would react to, but maybe they've never seen before. You know, I mean, that just, it's just great way to work with partners. So um, we have seen both work, work quite effectively. Um, but again, I, I think it, it totally comes down to each, each organization and, and how kind of agile uh, they want to be. So for the last question, Jahan, you, you uh, piqued my interest when you talked about the impact of digital for in-store success as well. Can you give an example of, of uh, how you've seen that work in, in the real world with your customers? Yeah, so we're, we've seen several different examples because, you know, the, like you said, you know, um, people are also creating a lot of great content in-store but that those shopper marketing oriented materials are incredibly undermeasured. And when you think about it, you know, again, whether you're walking into a store or you're looking at a website or a social feed, your brain reacts to the things you see the same way. It all comes down to your preferences. Do I like what I see? Do I like this Zoom background? <laughs> you know? uh, mine's okay. Uh, but you know, one of the things that we have certainly seen with, with, uh, with our, uh, customers is that they are beginning to integrate, um, visits AI into the development of not only digital shelf content and sort of in-store kind of shopper marketing materials, but a really cool application that I think kind of hits at home is packaging. So if you're designing packaging, that packaging needs to be successful for e-commerce consumers, and it also needs to work well for the kind of brick and mortar shopper. And so uh, we recently worked with um, uh, with a global snack brand that was looking to um, just essentially completely overhaul their packaging. And they had a very specific target audience in mind. And so one of the things that uh, they were able to do with Visit is change the way that they were able to get consumer feedback on those packaging designs. So the old way is... You hire an agency or you do it in-house or a combination of the two. You come back, they come back with different sets of designs. You know, the marketing manager, brand manager might give some qualitative feedback, a couple revs, then they take a make maybe one to two of those final designs and they'll do a panel. So to, you know, uh, online panel, you're kind of looking at 20 odd people who are kind of getting gift cards for responding to your con to your packaging designs and they're filling out questions about it. Here's the problem with that. Nobody buys that way. Those, those samples are not particularly uh, representative. Um, they're expensive. But the bigger problem is that it doesn't, it doesn't scale to that. The reason why creative directors and creative teams really like Visit is because before you got to those final two examples, there were probably dozens, if not hundreds, of other variations that, that a designer would work through in Figma or in Photoshop or or whatever. So what Visit was able to, to do with this particular snack brand is give them a way through our interface to automatically analyze dozens of these different examples through the AI lens before showing it to any real world consumers. So you could test and compare against demographics, a targeted interested group, a target interest group, um, markets, which is really interesting. Think about how expensive it is to do panel in other countries. It's extraordinary. So what we were able to do through that was identify a set of packaging that had the most stopping power. And after they gathered all their data 
from that retail partner, they came back to us and said that that, that new packaging had contributed to a 55% lift in sales and a 20% decrease in find time on shelf. So when you think about the power of imagery, it's something that can not only impact your online experience, but it also has a direct impact in the physical aisle. That then creates an advantage for any circulars or any other retail media promotions that you're doing, because now you're serving something that just looks better to your target audience. And you're increasing the probability of a and swinging the probability of a click or, or conversion in your favor. Um, and the way that I'd, I'd, I'd really even, you know, kind of sum up the, the creative point we've been talking about is we use Visit to design Visit. Our product designers <laughs> at Visit are using Visit You're to eating your own our, dog food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's giving us an incredible advantage. You know, like we know what our, what our uh, target audience wants to see. We know how we can use our technology to create more effective kind of interfaces and workflows. We're doing it every day. And again, I, I think in this world, whether you're selling software or cat food, dog food, shampoo, motorcycles, you know, uh, treadmills, um, best image is going to win. So I, I think it, it's just a, it's an exciting time to think about how to integrate that data now so that you can kind of gain the benefits now. We've all got high goals and rising goals in 2023, I'm sure, across e-commerce. So um, if you're kind of staring down those KPIs and those annual targets, I would strongly recommend turning that other knob that hasn't been turned yet. Um, I think you'd be pretty surprised at what you see. You know, John, when I think about sort of the practice of product experience management, you know, how do we, how do we uh, get content to market and, and have it be performative? The business value that I really think the three business value sort of features I think about are you know, increase efficiency, uh, grow grow your sales, uh, you know, grow, and then digital shelf leadership, like outpace your competition. And it does feel like a focus in this area has the opportunity to drive all three uh, in, in a pretty effective way, which is super exciting because not there aren't that many opportunities i feel like where this is an area i could focus on and within the year uh really make some some advances across all three of that spectrum i i think it's super cool without a doubt peter i mean it, it's 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 really really exciting and the the fourth that i'd layer on to that is is retail media effectiveness so think about it if you're spending 10 million dollars driving good traffic to your PDPs, imagine if that traffic doesn't like what they see. They're going to click back and all that paid search, everything else that you funneled into that yeah. business is going to be lost. So if you fix and really optimize your PDPs, you're going to get a flywheel that is then just like, you know, absolutely accelerated by that, those retail media investments. You'll get a better return on ad spend because you're driving good traffic to good content. That's more likely to convert. To your point, you're creating sort of a baseline lift in, in e-commerce um, kind of conversion rates. That product appeal is going to now transcend both the digital world and the physical world. And the other really cool thing about marketplaces, which we all know, is that products that convert at a higher rate and drive a higher sales velocity 
are also given preference in the search results. So this is yet another way you can even improve your organic positioning and reduce your reliance on paid search, put that money into demand generation activities and drive even more people to those PDPs. So I would, I would again, you know, I think the first and last thing you, uh, folks should invest in is high quality image content. All right. So uh, just to close out, I, I heard earlier offer to uh, scour every company's social media pages to find them some good <laughs> images. So that's you. You guys can uh, find John. Yeah, hit, hit <laughs> on me LinkedIn. Up. Hit, He's hit just me hanging up. out. <laughs> yeah, hit me up. I'm happy to help. And, and well, in all some... seri- and in all seriousness, we we do actually have a um, uh, on visit.com/resources. We've published some really cool uh, kind of playbooks to help you get started uh, with PDP. Uh, image optimization. So feel free to check those out. And then, yeah, if you'd like us to to take a look at, you know, uh, a PDP that you have that, you know, is getting a lot of traffic, but isn't converting the way you'd anticipate, I would predict that's symptomatic of a content problem. So we could help you diagnose that. And, and again, uh, happy to take a look at anything you have sitting in social to kind of create some quick wins. Because uh, that's it. I mean, I, I think, you know, this is something that people can action on very quickly. You don't have to go hire a team or build crazy integrations, or it's just, where are my good images? And are those good images getting to Salsify and syndicating to my retail partners? Like you you can do that in minutes. It's pretty low lift. John, super grateful to have you back. And and when I think of the first time we spoke to now, the the capabilities, the, the the power of the AI engine that you've developed in that time. Like it's also super exciting to see the, the maturity of your product. And, and, and also now you have those stories to tell of, <laughs> of what people were seeing out of it. And that's, that's a super fun part when, when you're fine, when not finally, when you're providing real value uh, in a really hard, challenging space, it's, it's just a cool thing. So thank you so much for, for sharing it with the audience. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for the kind words. We have an incredible team at Visit. Biggest, biggest brains in the world are, are building incredible stuff. So I'm just thankful to be a be a part of the team. And um, and and again, you know, we're blessed to have some very innovative customers that um, have helped us get better. You know, <laughs> yep. uh, so we're we're like you said, we're drinking our own Kool Aid. Uh, we don't get everything right the first time, but uh, we we like to think that we can learn pretty quickly. So thanks again for having me. This has been a ton of fun. Thanks again to Jahan for all the exciting insights. Head on over to digitalshelfinstitute.org for all the latest content and conversations about achieving digital shelf leadership. Thanks for being part of our community.